1: Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It's your boy, Jonathan Macri, with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast coming at you uh, on a Monday for you. It is uh, Sunday at 9.17 p.m. for us. And I say us because, of course, I am joined by my co-host, the person who should uh, evidently do every post-game live stream because the only time the Knicks have won a game this week is when he filled in for me. Because as you could probably hear, uh, my voice has, has not been the strongest. Uh, Jeremy Cohen. Hello, Jeremy. Hey, John. I think your voice sounds sexy. It's
2: got that nice gruffness <laughs> to it. You know, it's like, like when you wake up in the morning, but it just stays with you. It's hot. I love it.
1: You know, I, there's, uh, I've often dreamed of uh, someone saying those exact words to me. You were not the person.
2: You know, sometimes your wishes come true, and sometimes you wish it didn't. Your Sorry, is- Dolores, I got there first. It's so my man. Back <laughs> off.
1: You're only my work wife, uh, which that'll have to do. Um, anyway, um, so yeah, I w- I was <laughs> I, like, it's like a good way. So yeah, <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, I was I was pretty confident. I, this whole season, as listeners could probably tell, because I'm not very good at hiding stuff. I have been not, I've, I have not had an air of confidence about me on the whole this year. For whatever reason, I was, and I had, funny enough, I had zero confidence going into the Milwaukee game, none whatsoever. I had a feeling I was like, they're going to get killed tonight. And so then when they went down by a billion points in the first quarter, I'm like, See, I knew what I was talking about. Not so much coming into the Cavs game. I was like, you know what? I think Cleveland's going to play well, but the Knicks are going to come out and they're going to like remind us again who they were or who they are, and they're going to they're going to win this one, and it'll be a well played game. What they'd win, and now after Cleveland shot um, approximately eighty nine percent from three in the second half, not an exact number, but it's not that far off. Um, the Knicks have just finished a week in which they went one and three. Um, so I should say an early congratulations. You predicted, you took two and two in our predictions pool. I took three and one, you win yet again. Um, I guess I'll, I'll ask the same question. I think I asked you two weeks ago when we had to re-record a pod, which is how much, uh, does how this week ended, um, color your view of where things are at right now in Knicks land? One in three is not an
2: optimal week for sure. I think there are some glaring deficiencies that the Knicks certainly need to address um, 100%. But listen, I, I'm trying. I want to say all of that because I acknowledge fully that there are problems, right? I mean, especially on, on the defensive side, uh, the Knicks also took 133 threes this week over the four games. They hit on 30% of them. Mm -hmm. Um, that's not good for a team that is supposed to be taking a lot of threes and then making a lot of threes. It's a make or miss league. And if you're not making them, then you're missing them. And if you're missing, you're you're probably not going to win. So, you know, I, I want to keep all of that in mind, but I also, I just, I, I want to put things into context because I just feel like from game to game the highs feel so high and the lows feel so low, and I, I know I mentioned that on um, on the post game pod that I had done, but it really feels true every single game. You know, I mean, the Knicks win this game, right? And we're saying, "Hey, look at us! Knicks are seven and three. This is incredible!" Like
1: we are it wouldn't the matter how they won it, right? If they had uh, won in any form or fashion, sure, we would we and would be dancing in the streets right now.
2: Right. And instead it's like the Knicks are six and four. How could the Knicks lose to the Cavs? And it's just, it's frustrating because again, four of the six wins to me have been against impressive teams. And it's unfortunate because the Knicks come back from a 21 point deficit against the Bucks and just shut them down defensively in the second half of that game and go on to win. And then you have this unfortunate game against Cleveland and it just, it feels like, Everything else the day before was seemingly wiped away. And I just, I personally don't feel that way. Right. Like I look at a six and four team that I still think there is certainly potential there. Um, of course, uh, Kemba Walker did not play with this Cavs game. He, it's a back-to-back. So we we should should say that for Philadelphia, which makes a lot of sense, but it's hard for me to feel as terrible about this. And look, if you, out there, listening, and and you you've woken up mad, um, or maybe wherever you are in, the, in another part of the world, and you this, this has all been one terribly long day. Um, that would be rough. It would be rough, 100, percent to start your day out like this. And that's not and how, how you view, want to start your. Day. So those of you who are probably in more the Australia uh, portion of the world. My condolences, but um, I, I just you know, it's it's all about kind of like context, right? Like I look around the league and. I think we could say that this Cavs team, this isn't like a magic game, right? Like, yes, it's a magic game in the sense of, oh, you had someone who was like Ricky Rubio or Terrence Ross going off and you just have to tip your cap and say, okay, that's not the single reason why the Knicks lost, but it is one of the biggest uh, that it happened. Um, And that's certainly the case. But again, I like, it's hard not to look at some of the very good teams in the East, right? Like Atlanta, Milwaukee, Boston, as of right now, they are all four and six. And I guarantee you that some of their fans are really going crazy and they should be because when Trey Young says we feel like we're playing like the regular season doesn't matter when they blow double digit lead to a team like Phoenix which good mind you of course but Aiton wasn't playing the Bucks who are continuing continuously losing at home the Celtics who are just you know, they, they can't get it together. They said things in-house that should have stayed or they said things that, that should have been in-house that were not, losing on a dagger to Luca, All of these things that, you know, th- the Hornets, I think, have lost, what, three games in a row? Um, and one of the few teams that have a worse defense on the Knicks, yes. <laughs> right. So th- I guess it's, it's the sort of thing where, like, yes, a one-in-three week is bad. There are things that need to be worked on. But it's also, like, it can be worse, and it is worse for other teams out there, but You know what? For those teams, it's not too late for them to turn things around. And for the Knicks, it's not too late for them to do the same thing. And so we're we're now 10 games in, right? Because I also, again, I I don't want to say the expectations are obviously different than they were two years ago. But I just can't help but think back to two years ago when the Knicks lost a Sunday night game to the Cleveland Cavaliers. And you had Steve Mills and Scott Perry be forced into a press conference. I think it might've even been after 10 games, possibly. It was, they Thing, were two and
1: eight after 10 games, two
2: and eight after 10 games and a loss to the Never Cavs. Never forget that night the as long was. as I live. And we are now talking about a six and four team that just had their fourth loss of the season yeah. to the Cavs I mean, <clears throat> on a Sunday evening game. And again, it's just like, I know, I know that the expectations now are different from then, but it is very hard for me to be as upset with the long-term view or, or what's everything going on. I was upset with the game, of course. There are shots that it felt like, you know, like you you see Evan Mobley who's hitting 15% of his threes this year and he goes two for four and that's incredibly frustrating. Uh, you see him drive to the paint and, and score at will. Um, you see Ricky Rubio go off like you saw with Miles Turner. All these little things that eat at you. But I just, I, I can't hit the panic button yet. I, I yeah. personally, I can't do it.
1: No, I I don't look. I, I'm not hitting the panic button. Panic button. I mean, the, the notion that we would associate a winning record with the phrase "panic button" with this franchise is in and of itself a sign of how how far things have come. I mean, look there there are two there are two big red flag um, issues you have in the NBA. Do you have a talent problem, and do you have a culture problem? The Knicks don't have a talent problem. Um, they don't have optimal talent they don't have superstar talent um and they don't have enough star level talent um but i don't think they have a talent problem to the point that this team can't accomplish the goals that it set out to accomplish this year which are win you know more games than you lose get in the playoffs maybe win a first round series give give a team a run in the first round make a better showing than you made last year, you know, maybe screw around get close to 50 wins. If you have a really good year, if you get lucky in a few areas, you know, maybe you do end up winning the first round series, whatever. They're not trying to win a championship this year. They have enough talent to, to accomplish the goals that they have set out for. I also do not believe that they have a culture problem. Um, I I think, you know, you referenced in our text conversation before uh, RJ Barrett had a a nice Q and a today, I think it was with Steve Serby of the post. Mm -hmm um and and there were a few few good lines from that, but one of the things i I took from it is and this he this is not the first time we've heard somebody say this. I think R j said it before uh, there are, he said there are no egos on this team, and I don't believe there are any egos on this team. I really do believe this is a group of guys who wants to win and that and, and their priority is winning, and Tibbs has them focused and in, in, in the right direction on that. i think the, and the the problem. And Julius Randle said it after the game and Tibbs said it after the game. And they've said similar things after recent games. And this is where the, the the closest your hand is going to get to the panic button. I think this is in this category is the defensive, that extra something, the extra something that made us all fall in love with this team last year. That has not been there, not for 48 minutes. It was there for most of the last three quarters against Milwaukee. It was there for the last probably what 15, 20 minutes tonight against Cleveland. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Something about that. Um, When the second unit came in and we'll talk about that. um, It has been there for segments of other games, but for the most part, the games that they've lost, the Raptors game, um, the Pacers game for the majority of this game, that's what's been missing. And everybody knows that's what's been missing. There's no misconception about what's been missing. The offense is fine. Even after this game, they're going to be, they're still a top, what are they, a top? Yes, they're still the fourth best offense in the league even after this game and by a comfortable margin. The offense is not the problem. The defense is the problem. They're the 27th ranked defense. I just want to go back quickly to a point you made before about the three-point shooting. Um, in the last four games, the Knicks, uh, as you said, have hit 30% from three. That is the third, excuse me, the fourth worst um, mark in the league. Um, so to me, it says something that they actually are still the fourth ranked offense in the league, even though for essentially now half the season, they have been one of the worst three point shooting teams in the league, which is, I think it's a, I'm taking that as a good sign. Um, (laughs) But you know, you could certainly take that either way. So to me, the question at this point is, okay, we know what the issue is. It's not an issue that can't be solved. It's just a matter of how far does this get? Because if this is a thing that they solve, for the most part, for good at some point in the next week or two weeks, then that's okay. We'll look back on this and be like, yeah, it was understandable. Last season was magical. You brought in new talent. Takes a while um, to, to, to kind of get everybody back on, on their, you know, on their toes for 48 minutes. Um, Or is this a season long thing? And are we going to be sitting here in March and being like, wow, the Knicks are 23rd in defense. That's, not something we saw coming. um and that's the part that I think any Nick fan who is nervous and who is like and there are other issues that I'm sure you know we'll get into them um who is kind of maybe being like yeah you know, nervous I think that's what that's if i was that was where I would be focused on
2: yeah you know I think uh one of the things that resonated as well was after the game uh Julius randall said, and this is from Ian Bagley tweeting, uh, Julius Randall cited energy fight and will when asked about New York Knicks defensive uh, shortcomings after loss to Cleveland. Randall said the Knicks might not have proper edge coming into games. Randall said, <laughs> I'll take accountability. I've got to be better to help team play with an edge. Yes. That goes hand in hand with what RJ said about lack of egos, as yep. you mentioned. And it goes to show that, I mean, Randall's acutely aware of what needs to be worked on. I, I'm sure his <laughs> I'm sure his mentions say as such. I'm sure he can hear it. I think people probably tell, and I think he also knows it himself that maybe yeah he can commit more and um yeah, again, I think it's just we each individually hold the team to our own standards, and that's neither right or wrong. It's like there's a collective point like for me, as long as the Knicks hit the over where I did forty three I'm happy. <laughs> I'll be happier from a less selfish or self-involved reason Man. if they you know can can do better in the first round, certainly again, as you said, maybe win a playoff series. But you know, I know that the schedule is a little bit tougher moving forward. But as we've talked about, if it's playing down teams that's the problem and and playing up to teams is fine, then you would hope that playing up to teams is is going to continue to work out. So but, I, it, it just it also seemed like there were things within the game that. People were concerned about that. Certainly, weren't as problematic. Like Emmanuel quickly, he can hit shots. He's just slow start to the we're season. Gonna, just we're going like to talk
1: us. about Emmanuel
2: quickly. Yeah. Right.
1: Um. Now or yeah. Well, your well, mind? well, actually, no. Last thing before we move on to our our giving out our game balls for the week. Um. I, I do. Um. I I, I do just want to say, you know, briefly. So there was a clip going around. um, I don't know if you saw it of uh, the Michael Porter Jr. missed shot and then slumped shoulders and like didn't get back on defense. Like I I feel like you can tell when you watch a team play and like there certain guys do certain things where you're like, oh shit, there's really there's there's issues going on, and I don't feel that way. Watching this team. I I, look, I I know they gave up 126 points to Cleveland, but I I looked it up right before we started. Cleveland shot 13 of 18 from three in the second half. Ricky Rubio had a game that Ricky Rubio, if you gave him, um, uh, shout out to the Eternals, Eternal Serum, and he could live forever just as he is right now. He could play a thousand a hundred thousand more basketball games. He will never have a shooting night like he had tonight. Like I do not feel that the Knicks the Knicks defense has been bad. It has not been good. I do not feel like it has been where you watch and you're like, Oh, they're not trying. It's not that they're not trying. There's an edge missing. And that's why I appreciated Julius using that word, but here's the thing. And maybe this is a theme that's going to come up at some point with the with the league where it is right now, and in particular where the Eastern Conference where it is right now, if you are not playing with that edge, you are not going to win, and and that is you know uh, unless you're playing one of a couple teams, and we lost one of those teams already, so you know maybe even that's incorrect. Um, okay, uh, anything else before we give out our, our game balls for the week?
2: Um, I guess just very quickly, the Utah Jazz lost the Magic. The Knicks <laughs> and the Jazz are built very similarly. It happens. Yeah. It just, they're victims too. Uh,
1: <laughs> they're, um, the, the East, uh, I want to say the East is big, man. The, the Cleveland's big, man. Let me Cleveland's tell you. big. <laughs> and Cleveland. they were missing Lowry
2: Marketing. And they're the missing, Mar- sorry, and Kevin sorry, Love. Lowry
0: Marketing at the three. Love Clyde. He's the best. Um, yes. There you go. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all
4: Knicks basketball is finally back, and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet for Knicks tickets anymore, because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site, and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all NBA tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that all other sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all their NBA tickets. Don't believe it? If you could find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you $110 10% of the difference in the purchase price. When the Knicks schedule came out, there are definitely certain dates we all circled on the calendar. October 20th against the Celtics, Christmas Day against the Hawks. January 12th against the Mavericks, even April 6th against Brooklyn. Whether on the road or in the garden, TickPick has you covered. Visit TickPick.com slash film school today to save $10 on your first order of Knicks tickets. That's TickPick.com
1: slash film
4: school to save $10 on your first order of Knicks tickets today.
1: Okay, Game Balls. Um, So again, this is a a segment we introduced uh, last week, I think was our first one, where we want to highlight or give credit to uh, somebody for their performance. Or analysis this week, we have a few different candidates. Um, this is a little bit tough because the guy who was probably in the lead for this i won't I won't say any names going into tonight, going into t- Sunday night's game had easily his worst game of the year, so I don't know. I don't know what we do with that. Um, I kind of want you to go first. So the ball's not in my court unless you want to, if you want to toss it to me, you can toss it to me. Uh,
2: no, I'll toss it back to you. You're going to toss it back to me. Well, you Fuck. went first last time. So I'll let you go first this time because you don't want to go. First.
1: You know? Okay. So look, recency bias. I'm giving my game ball to Emmanuel quickly. And I'm giving my game ball to Emmanuel quickly. Ooh. Yes. I'm giving my game ball to Emmanuel quickly because the wise reigning NBA coach of the year has often been quoted as saying, "You don't have to shoot well to play well." And Emmanuel quickly has shot as he has been the by some metrics in terms of like if you account for like volume and like guys who actually take enough shots, he's probably been the worst shooter in the NBA. Uh, certainly, going into the Milwaukee game, the Milwaukee game, I think he was four for nine tonight. I don't know what his exact line was. I don't really care what his line was, um, because he finally hit shots. Uh, I have it here; he was three for eight. Um, so again, doesn't sound great, but if you watched the game, you kn- you knew it was a little bit different than that. He has not let his shooting struggles um, affect his ability to impact the game in other ways one bit. And I thought his defense um was part of it was the whole second unit's defense that changed the game in Milwaukee. Um and obviously someone else was more responsible for their win in Milwaukee, but I thought quickly's defense was a massive part of it. Hit a big um uh three at the end of the third quarter to keep momentum going. And then tonight he was the best player on the on the team um against Cleveland. And he has just it clearly improved in every area of the game. And he's showing that every minute that he's on the court, the shots just haven't really been fallen. And then a couple, but a couple are starting to fall. So I'm very high in Emmanuel quickly. And just because of all the people who were like, shoot him to the moon after seven bad games, shooting wise, um, he gets my game ball for the week.
2: No, I do agree with you in the sense that Emmanuel quickly, just because he wasn't shooting, it didn't mean he wasn't contributing. I thought his defense this past week has been fantastic. Uh, and the passing's been there you know the the improved very much so um that second unit looked great he looked great uh, i mean that's that's the thing like he's <laughs> this is why plus minus to me are so just not accurate he was a minus 4 like if you Can watched yeah. emmanuel quickly play this game yeah. you wouldn't think he was a negative on the floor um but no i i hear you i think he was good all week i derek rose struggled earlier in the week, I think if not for the sensational play in Milwaukee, we could be looking at the Knicks having an zero and four week. Doesn't look pretty. But I, right, I know. Um, I know. So I you know, would have been bad. I'm going to give Derek honorable mention, but I'm going to okay. have to go with RJ Barrett because if we're talking about the full week, um, this, of course, was, as you said, I think the worst game of RJ's uh, season,
1: young season. But you should say. Far. It- his stat line uh, against Cleveland, three of 13. He missed all six from deep, um, had four turnovers and and six points and right. one assist. So and not a this, great game.
2: It wasn't. Um, you know, three of the four games that RJ played, he did not shoot well at all. Um, there was one game in particular it was explosive. And of course, last week. Um, but it's there. You can see it coming. It's It's just he doesn't need to carry the Knicks every night, but he's finding ways. Of course, this past tonight's game uh, was certainly more unfortunate, but what he's been able to do in terms of pushing the pace, in terms of um, his shooting, the pull-up shooting, it's not quite there yet, but the fact that it was practically non-existent or felt like it was non-existent last season, uh, he's letting them fly. He's, you know, he needs to hit more a hundred percent, but there's, there's proof that it can the trajectory is getting better and he's 21 years old. Can I just say,
1: I'd be more worried if he wasn't taking them. I love the fact that he's taking them. And I, that's why before the season, I was like, you know what? I bet you he shoots worse from three this year because he tries more of these as he should. That's what he should be doing.
2: Yeah. And, you know, as of around right now, he's, he's a little bit worse than where he was last year. Last year was a 40% shooter from three. (laughs) So things are going nicely for him. And it's just fun to see it click with a young player, because when's the last time that we really saw a young player like this come along? I mean, I don't even know if, if I have ever seen that on the Knicks, considering how the Charlie Ward curse has existed since 1999. So, you know, the ability to see, I mean, yes, you could say Mitchell Robinson, but it's, it's not the same.
1: Um, No, I mean, Porzingis is the only guy and I don't feel like Porzingis consistently elevated and like took another step and then another step and another step. He, he like, he would take a step and then he would plateau and then he'd go back a little bit. You know, it's like, that's and how it was hurt. Yeah, yeah.
2: There's, you know, I agree. I completely erased Porzingis's uh, existence <laughs> from my mind, but, uh, but no, even still, I, I just, it's not quite the same for me. And so it's just a joy to be able to feel like, I, I think that's the other thing, right? The, the more Zen like approach I take is, yeah, I want the Knicks to obviously win right now. Um, They need to improve. They should improve. They're a better team than how they're playing games like this past week. But it's also just like, okay, if RJ Barrett is the present and the future and he's 21 years old, there's time. it's, It's not like we have to do this right now. It's not like the Bulls, right? Where maybe the, the window's a little bit shorter there. There's there's a very lengthy period of time. Um, like when you see Obi Toppin doing better than expected, and Emmanuel quickly still stepping up. Um, you're seeing Quentin Grimes. I thought that outside of, of course the air ball, you know, it, it seemed like things were starting to yeah, nice nicely for him. And, right. And it's just few moments in your rookie years that, that kind of you piece together and, and grow from there. And I just, I look at, the youth of the team and and the mixture of veterans and and talent that they have as well. And it's just like, if you're going to focus on the young guys, like look at a place like Orlando where they're three and eight and they've got all these this young talent and they're just not, they're not good. And that's fine because that's not their goal. But if you look around the league, how many players are looking like RJ Barrett is and they're on good teams and they're his age. I, I There aren't a lot. It's, it's not maybe a lot. Tyler Harrow. And again, Tyler Harrow is not better to me than RJ Barrett.
1: Well, he's I'm he's the fan like RJ Barrett, and right. he's I don't think he has the ceiling quite frankly. his shot making is has more of a flair to it, which is why you're gonna see the highlights. Good the, player for sure. Very yeah. yeah, and yeah, no, very good player. He's having an excellent year. Um the only thing other wanna only other thing I want to say about RJ is, and I, I've mentioned this recently also, is um he would The thing that would get me more than the good looks at the rim that just missed, which he had a few of tonight, the thing that would get me were the two, three, four looks at the rim or like four shots at or around the rim that I'm like, man, that's just an ugly shot. And it felt like he would take a couple at least of them every game last year. I feel like I, I, if I had to count them on one hand, this year, I, I feel like I'd have fingers left over. It just feels like he's completely eliminated those ugly shots from his diet. And um, maybe it's because he's just turned them into good looks because he's 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 worked on his moves getting to the basket, whatever it is, it's much better. They just didn't go down tonight. I don't really care. Um, it sucks, obviously, because it, it contributed to the Knicks' loss, but that's I'm not worried about RJ. Um okay. Detention. A player, coach, media personality, or other entity or entities can be a group of people. who We think now we, we had some discussion about this last last um, week. This is not solitary confinement. This is this is a learning tool, right, Andrew? Right, it's a John. learning tool. Okay. Yes. So you know maybe we go the Bart Simpson route, right? I will not. Do XYZ on the chalkboard a hundred times. I don't know how many times you need to write that. Um, okay, I'm going to make you go first on this one because I just went first. All
2: right. Um, I I guess I guess it's it's for me looking at the list that Andrew has prepared, and you could pick any good one. Uh, I've certainly talked about some of them before uh, in this podcast, ways. but um, I'm I'm going to go with the fresher one, which is again the, the Knicks this past week faced players who just popped off. They I mean the the scouting report is to leave Miles Turner open. You let him take that shot. And he was phenomenal when he did that. OG Ananobi. That just it seemed like there was great defense, even from Gary Trent Jr. as well. But they also played, I think 38, 40 minutes a game of that game, some some you know huge number, um, where they were fantastic. I mean there were times where OG and Ananobi was guarded very heavily and there's just better offense looking at Grayson Allen. Um, you know, he does have a very punchable face. Uh, he went a not so nice six from nine from three. Um, again, it was, it was uh, very disappointing to see him uh, do anything good against, uh, against the Knicks. And then you have Ricky Rubio just having the game of his life, who thank God for that one heat check at the end of the game. he finishes, Uh, Eight for nine from three. But again, like it's, it's, it's like a respect thing because this is the thing. It's like the Knicks have a game plan in mind, whether it's the most solid or not, you could argue about it, but they went in with the right intentions. Um, And it did not work out. No, it did not work out. I mean, and also think, I mean, think about it for these four games, two of them, the Knicks were leading at halftime and they went on to lose both of them. Um,
1: were they winning three and a half? No, oh, that's right. They, no, no, because they, they, lot, they, they right.
2: never led in Indiana. And that's in right. You're right. They're still down. So, um, it, but, so again, it's like, and then you look at the Indiana and Milwaukee games, like, do they need to be down? Are they the type of team that plays better when their back is against the wall early on? I mean, certainly later on, it doesn't work out because we've seen them blowing leads and then not coming back from them. So, um, you know, again, I, it's it's not even detention at this point for those uh, four or five players that i just mentioned right like if anything it's kind of giving them a gold star and and saying nice job on this but since we're you know saying this from the knicks perspective i'll i'll give detention to them for killing the knicks because you know but but then there are other options on the board like uh and john if if i'm stealing one of yours then please tell me and i'll turn it over to you but the three-point shooting we talked about it's 30 percent from three this week 133 attempts you can't Win game's like that when that's how no. you, your dna is is built. so when you mix those things together it just it's 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 an it's a it's a disaster. it can be a disaster. um it's unfortunate. The,
1: but that's Yeah, no it is. It, it is it is a bit of a disaster when you shoot 30% from 3. um i'm going to go in a different direction and uh man, i don't want to get myself in trouble here. i so i wrote before the season that uh, um like I guess I, I made some like preseason predictions in like certain categories. And I wrote uh one about the the Nick that is most likely to draw the fans' ire, uh, the ire of the fans. And I was like thinking, as ah, it no well? I think that's who I landed on. Might it be Evan Fournier if he gets off to a cold start? Um, you know, Kemba Walker. I I I thought, you know, because I figured Rose would be very good and Kemba might. You know, it might be an adjustment and I re- I should have realized the obvious answer was staring me in the face the whole time. And it was always going to be Julius Randall. And, um, and that's because I knew as everybody on this podcast knows, and everybody who listens to this podcast knows, I knew Obi Toppin was going to be good. I knew Obi Toppin was going to look fucking great in the minutes that he got. And Obi Toppin has looked fucking great in the minutes that he has received. He has been outstanding. He has done everything he's asked. He's been asked to do um, beautiful finishes. You know, has some nice pops on defense. So it was always going to be Julius because unless he like he would have needed to come back and play as otherworldly as he played last year. And and I don't know, maybe like maybe we should have realized that that may not have been in the cards. And there was a possibility for him to take a half a step back and be closer to the player he was over the course of his career. Now, I think there is a chance he gets back to being the player he was for most of the last season. He's struggling right now. I think it's obvious he's struggling right now. He's in his head a little bit. It's kind of gone away a little bit, but it resurfaced a little bit this game. So the but my attention is going to go to um it seems like there is a contingent of people out there who every after every loss are looking for Ways to pin it on Julius. And um, tonight it was how dare Tom Thibodeau put Julius Randle back in in the fourth quarter for Obi to Toppin? And look, Obi got six minutes to run from, he basically played the first six minutes of the second of the fourth quarter. It was a good six minutes. Do I think if he finished the game, the Knicks would have won this game? Absolutely not. I don't think it would have made a difference. So I think Julius Randle lost the game for the Knicks. No, I do not think so. Um, At some point, you have to show a certain modicum of faith in the guy who essentially changed your franchise a year ago. And, um, you know, eight or nine or 10 or 15 or 20, even like so-so games for me is not the time to be like, you know what, I'm going to go with the kid to uh close out this big game i just don't think we're there yet and i feel like that could have really really damaging repercussions um on the locker room on just the the organizational the bedrock of the culture that they build um and you want to tell me well if julius is really the team leader then he should be able to swallow it and be like that's fine yeah okay that's all well and good. That's very nice and, and sweet and, and and you know comforting to say. It's just that's not like go find the the, the player in the NBA who has accomplished what Julius just accomplished, and they would be like, yeah, no, that's, that's, that's totally fine. I'm cool with that. Get, you know, give the kid my run. like it just it doesn't happen. Like Julius has earned a, a, a very long leash, and he's not even playing that poorly. He's playing poorly for him based on what the standard he set last year was you know but um so that's kind of gotten to me a little bit and uh i, I hope that that subsides and i hope it subsides because julius plays so well that it's all going to make this you know flitter away but
4: so to I be ha- clear you're putting people upset with julius in detention or you're putting Obi Toppin in detention for playing so oh, no people are upset
1: no, I'm putting the or you're putting are,
4: Julius in detention for playing so poorly that people get upset
1: that Obi's that Obi's playing so well. <laughs> this is so funny. As I'm saying this, um, someone I'm not going to say who it is. Someone messaged me that I haven't talked to in a while. Tough game tonight. Obi needs to start. Period. Oh My God. There is no more justifying here. I feel bad for this person that I'm reading this out loud. It is very obvious. He deserves to start. Tibbs has this all wrong. I don't care about his prior accolades. He is misreading the... Oh, my God. I think both statements can be
2: true here, where it's...
1: What, well, Obi- that Obi Toppin needs to start over the guy who finished eighth in MVP from uh
2: That Obi Toppin should get more burn and that Julius Randle should be closing out games.
1: Yeah, but more... Okay, so, uh, again, we're... Let's just be clear. What I'm
2: saying is, Obi Toppin playing more than 11 minutes, like, again, I think if you give him 15 minutes and you still have uh, uh, Julius finishing out the game, because I'm with you, right? The whole mindset of like, yes, it's one thing to say like, hey, Julius, you're the leader, so you should know if there's no egos here that you can take a backseat every now and then. But if you are Tom Thibodeau, if you are the Knicks, you want the most battle tested guys who are out there. You want the guys who who can win games. The thing is we don't have a lot of experience.
1: Like the guy who won a shit ton of games last year for you.
2: Right. And we don't have a lot of experience with OB playing clutch time minutes down the stretch, right? There's some, but it's limited. Um, Randall's certainly a more established player in that sense. And it's the same reason why last year you and I talked about this, where it was like, uh, there's a technical foul and the Knicks got a free throw. And it was Julius Randle walking to the line and he took the shot. And I said, like, you know, it's crazy to me how you have Emmanuel quickly on the floor and Julius Randle takes the free throw over him. And your response was like, yeah, because Julius is the leader, because he is the guy having the great season and deserves to take that shot. Similar can be said here, even if he's not playing up to the caliber that we hold him and that he holds himself. And, and I'm with you on that. I, I do think yes, Obi was playing well. I can understand giving him a couple more minutes in the fourth quarter. But again, like, the Knicks were also playing him so then they could get Randall in at the game later. Like, if you're expecting Obi to play from, let's say, the end of the third quarter, beginning of the fourth quarter, all the way to the end of the fourth quarter, that's a long time for him to be in a game. And then that's a whole quarter where you are then sitting the best player on your team. It just doesn't, Feel like a decision that's that's made out of rational thinking. It just it feels like a very emotional um, desire that that one might want. And it's you know I also wonder how different is tonight's game. Uh, the, the bench played great. Don't get me wrong, but how different is it when Kemba is starting and Rose is back in the role that he's playing in? It it almost I gives mean, me memories we haven't even of talked about series.
1: Kemba sitting. Yeah, no, right. I mean, like, and, and that shouldn't be that shouldn't be glossed over. Um,
2: and again, to begin the fourth quarter, the Knicks were great and Rose was not on the floor. So it's not like they can't do it. Yeah. However, he stabilizes that second unit. We saw it in the Bucks game. So if Kemba's out, then it's, you know, someone needs to step up. And we saw this last season too. And um, it didn't really go that way. You know, I can understand why people would might want Deuce McBride to have gotten minutes tonight, but he's not. Gonna run the offense. Um, I can understand why people may have wanted more Quentin Grimes minutes, but he he got them. He he got some time and he did what was asked of him, and that's certainly important and something we'll keep in mind moving forward if if Kemba's out again or if another player is injured in the rotation, and and there's room for him. But you know, I mean, there is something to be said of how the Knicks are down a man, and you could look at the Cavs and they could say, Well, Larry Markinen is not no, with us, and it, I get it, but Look, like, he's not running the offense. Derrick Rose, Kemba Walker, they are. I,
1: I I, think it's a good point about Kemba. I, look, I, I said at halftime, I didn't understand why he only gave Obi uh, four minutes of run on the first half. I stand by that. I thought he could have played a few more minutes. He was very good in the minutes he got. Um, Randall's your all-star. Randall's your MVP candidate. Randall's your all-NBA guy. It's been nine games, folks. I mean, come on. It's been nine games it's been 10, ten. games it's excuse me ten. Ten now, games. if it were
2: nine games then it, you know i would agree with you john but the fact that it's, it's
1: you right. it's, it's the it's extra done with. it's the extra game Can't hold on before we that thinking. before we get to our our preseason predictions let me i have to this is the stupidest fucking thing i've ever heard anybody say good night to
4: people listening um <laughs> that was john replying to said message that he checked during the podcast it was what actually can, uh it wasn't
2: really that uh, Scarlet Ray woke up in the middle of the night and handed John a beautiful hand-drawn painting and then he said what he just said, which uh, no, that's, not that's, right. that's rough. Right.
4: I feel like there's a reaction gift there from now on anytime we see a, a tweet we don't like and it's just John going, this is the stupidest fucking thing ever.
1: <laughs> Good night. The journey to a smoke-free future can be a long and winding road, but if you're ready for a change, consider taking Zinn for a spin.
0: A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix.
1: All right, predictions. Uh, So, Jeremy, you're 2-0 to start the season. Um, I am 0-2. This is obviously unfortunate. Because it means you get to pick first now this week. And I think there's... Well, I don't know. This might be actually tough. I'm in a tougher spot than I think you
2: are. Because I pick one and then you get the other one. So uh, the opponents that the Knicks are facing, it is uh, the Sixers, uh, the Bucks. And then the Hornets, two of those games, the Sixers and the Hornets games, they are away games and the Bucks game is at home. So um, I mean, I think we can both agree that there are only two logical choices here that well, I, I shouldn't say that because last week we said, I said two and two, you said three and one. And they. Go I think on. there are, uh, I think there are four there logical four, There are four possible choices. <laughs> maybe, maybe a fifth one. If something happens to any of the games where they get postponed, uh, which true. hopefully does not happen, but hopefully it doesn't happen. this is the you know, world we live in. So this is the thing, you know, like the Sixers have been red hot since the Knicks beat them, but the Knicks figure out a way to beat them. However, I mean, that's, it's, it's it's been a while since the Knicks have won in Philadelphia. Um, Milwaukee again. How good is Drew coming back? now he, I mean, he got his feet wet. Is Brook Lopez coming back? They're on a you know nice little losing streak. The Hornets are they going to have some magic in them? Feel like something always happens in Charlotte. I want to say two and one. I know you do. I really do.
1: You're itching to say it.
2: I'm itching to say it because the idea of then it being what, I mean, this seems six and four, right? So eight and five, it sounds a lot better than seven and six, but, um, I'm going to take the risk. I, I, uh, I gotta go one and two. Okay. I don't want
1: to believe me. I do not,
2: but I just, um, um, I think it, I think it gets a little bit worse before it gets better.
1: I would have taken one and two,
2: uh, <sighs> although to be honest, if you would have taken one and two, then it's possible two and one might win now. So,
1: I mean, I'm going to take two and one, were you going to take three and oh or zero and three? I was not, I'm not taking three and O. Okay. There's zero part of me that thinks three and O is happening. I'll say that I'll take two and one. I'll just leave it at that. I hope you're right. I, I, I agree with you. I think things are not necessarily here again. I think they could come out and they could play outstanding against Philadelphia. Outstanding and lose the game. Cause it's in Philly. It's the second night of a back to back. And then it's Milwaukee at home. You just played Milwaukee. I think honestly, honestly, of the three games, that, actually, that might be the game I think I'm most confident in because I have a bad fucking feeling going into Charlotte against a team that still is putting up a ton of points. Their issue has obviously been defense. But like, I don't feel like the Knicks are getting st- – other than Toronto really like got into them, I don't feel like the Knicks are getting stopped on on offense because of opposing defenses. I think when the, when the Knicks are running into issues on offense, it's because the Knicks are stopping themselves on offense or the Knicks just aren't making shots. I don't feel like it's anything de- defenses are doing. So if you're telling me what's the worst matchup you can imagine for the Knicks right now, it's against a really, really good offense and a shitty defense. Or like, a, sorry, a bad, ma- a bad matchup is against a great offense and a great defense. But like a bad matchup against a, like a middling team, that's the middling team that I don't want the Knicks facing right now. So that is why, yeah, I think you're, you're very smart to go one and two, but I will, I will go two and one. Fair enough. I hope you win. I hope I win too. I need to win.
4: The panic that will ensue if this team is under 500 when we record next Sunday. Uh, would not I be just, great. Would not, not great, Bob. If they're six and seven. I mean, they lo-
1: didn't, what they lose? Five of six. Well, no, they last they were season, five they and on? three. Yeah, and then they went, went three, to
4: like five that. and seven. They lost four straight. Then they won two straight. I they think went they went out, to five and nine. Uh, there was five and seven because then they won. I think it was a game in Golden State. I know it went from five and three to five and, oh, it might have got to five and eight because five and eight was the Cleveland game, um, the Friday night game. But no, they, I'm,
1: Andrew, are you I'm looking, looking at it? They got right to now. five and nine. They were five and three. They lost five games in a row. So it was five. La- yeah, so five and eight. The last of those games. So five and eight. Yes. They, sorry, they were five and eight. So I I had the five in a row in my in my head. Yeah. And the last game was a Cleveland game. The last game was the Cleveland game. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. But in, in that, in the midst of that, were um two games where they got absolutely murdered, where they lost to Denver or 25. And then they lost to uh, Charlotte. Oh, my God. I remember that game. They played like shit that game uh, by tw- by 21. That was a Kevin Knox game. The Charlotte game. Yeah. Kevin Knox had like five threes in the second quarter, and they never saw meaningful minutes the rest of the season. And then, and then was the Brooklyn game. They lost 116-109. That was like, that was a feel-good loss. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, and then the Cleveland game was like, oh, this is not good. Mm-hmm. So Man, that's I do
2: want to say one thing about last season. I, I know that we can't just assume that this team can pull nine game winning streaks and what 12 of 13 out of yeah. their hat. It's, it's a good assumption. willy nilly. But But um, I was looking at the, the, you know, how the team was doing last year. And I think it's easy, very easy to forget because I certainly did that. Uh, the Knicks were almost at the 75% mark of the NBA season. And they were still under 500.
1: Yeah. But we also shouldn't
2: compare this team to that team. We should is more talented than that. A hundred percent. And again, that's why I'm saying like, it shouldn't, that that shouldn't be the, you know, like, Hey, <coughs> at least this is, but the point being, it's that it's, you know, it's not too late. It's not really too late until it is too late. And then when it's too late, we'll know when it is, but we're yeah, nowhere but the... near that point.
1: I understand that. I understand everything. And look, I don't want to go back on anything we said in this episode, but the frustrating part is that they're six and four and you feel watching this Cleveland game. You feel, you felt watching the Toronto game. Um, You know, the Orlando game, I don't even know what the fuck you do with the Orlando game. Um, And what was the other one? Like the pace, like they're losing these games where you're like, not to say that this team should be nine and oh. they should not be, or eight and one or seven. Like, they're, they you are what your record says you are. You, they they are what they should be, but the but the ways they're lo- it's the ways they're losing the sure. games, and that it, it goes without saying. I know we've danced around it. And last season, what made it easier to stomach early on is when they lost, they lost because they weren't very good, and they got better after they got Derrick Rose, and then like some guys started finding themselves. RJ started in that, don't forget RJ started in that hellacious shooting slump after the first game in Indiana. He couldn't hit the far side of a barn for 10 games. So like there were reasons why they were, they were bad. All guys were injured. Burks was out for a while. Like Knox was getting rotation minutes and stuff like that. So, um, you know, this team has been healthy other than tonight, you know, when chemists had out. So I, I don't know. Um, I really hope they don't call in three. That would be bad. Um, Part of me would actually sign for one and two. Uh, okay. Andrew, anything from you before we get out of here? I have one thing and it's not Knicks related, but it is blue wire
4: related. Um, okay. Jeremy might know what I'm talking about, but I'm almost positive. John won't. Are you aware of the rumor surrounding Cal Ripken Jr. and Kevin Costner? I am indeed. Jeremy is. John. John's giving me a face of I have five heads. I don't have a fucking clue what you're talking about. Okay, so you know... Let me let me play real dumb with John. You know who Cal Ripken is, right? Okay, he's just gave me the look of a go fuck myself now. Okay, so Cal Ripken, obviously famous for the Iron Man streak of passing Lou Gehrig, which uh, broke in 95, which he's credited a lot with bringing baseball back. It is a very heroic moment when Cal Ripken broke Lou Gehrig's streak. Um, in 1997... He there was a game against the Mariners, the Orioles against the Mariners in Baltimore that all of a sudden a whole tower of lights malfunctioned and the game had to be postponed. And the rumor is that Cal Ripken Jr. caught Kevin Costner in bed with his wife and was either like hurt because he just tried to fight Kevin Costner or in police custody and he called the orioles and said delay the game somehow so that way my streak continues and they both denied it and like years like in snopes did a, 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 a investigation in 2001 to try and disprove all of it well two blue wire pos- podcasters i want to give them credit sam dingman and mac montandon uh, heard we're at a birthday party maybe a year or so ago. I uh, guess probably before, maybe before COVID. But they heard from people working um in the police, the Baltimore Police Department, at the time that yes, this is absolutely true. And Blue Wire put some money behind it. And now there's a podcast on Blue Wire called The Rumor that breaks down. Whether or not this thing was true, and I'm three episodes in, and it is captivating. Like all the true crime stuff that you guys listen to, if you're into that, this, this is for thing. this is for you. If you're a baseball fan, and uh, Jeremy, I'm now not only convinced this happened, but I think we should nullify the streak and say that Lou Gehrig is actually the Iron Man. And if we're really being conspiratorial, I think Kyrie did steroids, and that's why people. Uh,
1: that's how he was able to play so many games in a row. Anyway, wasn't he? Wasn't he the first player to get in unanimously? No, Mariano no, did. Yeah, it was Mariano. Oh, that's right. Did so- yeah. someone didn't vote for Cal? Like
4: someone did vote, gr- grow- vote for someone didn't vote for Jeter. Jeter. One person didn't vote for Jeter. Three people didn't vote for Ken Griffey. And then Tom Seaver's the
1: next highest. I thought Cal was up there. I guess not.
4: Cal had like 95% of the vote back then. It was still popular. Like, oh, it's your first ballot. I'm not putting Uh, it in because Joe DiMaggio was first ballot. Didn't make it on his first ballot. So neither should anybody. All right. But all those guys have lost their votes because, you know, old point is it's it is this is the shit I live for. The conspiracy stuff actually being deep dove. And it's actually like a good in good commentary on how
1: we idolize athletes and those right, right around Waterworld, right? I think so. Waterworld's 1995. 90- yeah. Yes. Yeah. So it's two years later. I mean, look, that was a, that was going to be a big movie. It was it was OK. It was great. If if I'm thinking of a, 90s, I can see maybe she was just a big fan of Waterworld. If
4: I was in mid '90s, uh, if I was thinking of a mid '90s Kevin Costner movie, I would go uh, Dances with Wolves. As far that as that was popularity. two years earlier, though, right? Well, three, but, sorry,
1: no, that was not two years earlier. That was four years old
2: earlier. Excuse me,
4: because that be yeah, because that be yeah, good See, this yeah. is where my
2: my mind goes. Where I know that uh, obviously uh, it was filmed in the '80s with Field of Dreams, but like some uh, innuendo, you know, like. If you build if you it, build he'll come. it easy.
3: <laughs> and then Cal Ripken
2: walks in on Kevin Costner, of course. Um,
4: something along oh, those lines. So I'll let you all fill, well done. <laughs> fill in the blank there. Oh, uh, man. What Nick's podcast like that? What's the event? It's the frozen envelope,
1: right? It's the only, if, it's the only if, thing.
4: If somebody was like, yeah, it's true. And then there was a deep dive podcast on whether or not the 85 lottery was rigged. Yeah.
1: That's it. That's that's the only one. And if it was, I really don't care. Um, I absolutely think it was. Probably was. And you you got a title out of it.
4: Yeah. But fair. But as far as the curiosity, I absolutely think Stern was like, I would like my biggest asset to go to New York City because I have New York and LA and Boston battling. It's time to get New York City involved in this.
1: (laughs) Perhaps. Um, That'll be a podcast for another day. Um, For right now, though. We're going to sign off. Uh, Jeremy, thank you. Of course, and, Uh Andrew, thank you.
4: You're welcome, John. Get well soon, by the way. Thank you for toughing it out the last couple of days.
1: Um, yeah, of course. Uh, again, I'll be- also find a way to keep that voice. I'm, I'm going to try. It sounds better than it did. Uh, and everybody out there, thank you for checking out another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast. We will be back with you uh, with more funny games very soon. Uh, until next time, um, be well, stay safe, and we'll talk to you soon.